2: What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Hard to Tell podcast episode 158 Dexter Henry Bryan Fonseca here and we have a special guest uh one of my favorite hip-hop producers finally glad to get him on the show Static Selector Static what's What's up man how y'all feeling yo we're good we're good man how you
0: doing I'm good man I'm good we're doing construction over here we're hanging the bare bricks in the crib
2: oh wow okay all right cool got a little construction going on there all right, man. We we got to get into it because you got the new album out. Um, that the balancing act. Uh, Brian and I we talked about it in the last podcast. We really are digging it. Yeah. We saw you know you saw our comments. You retweeted us. We appreciate that. Um, just talk you have worked on these compilation projects, uh, for quite some time. But talk way to me about long. way too long, right? <laughs> talk to me <laughs> about this one and and the the mindset behind it, the theme, and how it all came about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I came up with the title way before. Uh way before this madness of 2020, but the cover and all that too. And um, it's crazy that everything's got amplified and it ended up going from my personal balancing act to the whole world's balancing act that this year has been. So I think it connected with people in a certain way that, that, you know, there's a silver lining in there for me. So everybody's going through it right now one way or another, but the balancing act of 2020 was really just, you know, sticking to sticking to, Finding new ways to get money, sticking to ways to find time with your family and appreciate life, and you know this year is just a different, um, it's a different mood.
1: So would you say would you say static that a bunch of that was recorded? I guess like as all this is going on, like maybe in the second half of 2020, and things start to escalate, just you know, with the pandemic, with social justice, with everything that people are fighting for, and you know, all of that tying into that. Would you say that most of it was done in that time?
0: Yeah, like no half of it. I'd say half and half. Like half the album was done, kind of um before. I wouldn't say half. Like a chunk of the album was done before the the pandemic, and then um, you know, I had to finish it up. Finishing it up was really a challenge because mm. a lot of people, even the cats that got studios in their house, like a lot of people weren't really trying to record this year the way I thought they were gonna after the during the pandemic. I was like, oh, maybe people will be at home just recording. Like you'd be surprised how many artists weren't doing that. So. Mm. Certain things happened that weren't supposed to happen, and certain things happened that, that um certain things didn't happen. It's just like, there's a lot of moments on the album that I think wouldn't have happened if we weren't going through this. Is it
2: When you talk about that title, The Balancing Act, That is it also sort of balancing the game and, and, and sound? Because when we think of mainstream hip-hop, there's kind of a, a sound that's prevalent out there uh, right now, and you've kind of been more in that, the boom-bap. Uh, classic style of, of the sound of production. Is, is this more of the balance you sort of wanted to bring to the game with this project?
0: Um, I never really thought about it like that, but I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't think I was thinking about it more like as far as life, like you know, balancing, um, being a dad and being a, with my daughter, and then going and doing, you know, going to the studio and going to clubs and being on tour and coming home and balancing that up because you know that's what i was doing a lot like i literally was half half the week I was with my kid still still right now now it's even different as a single dad because now it's like when i'm with my kid half the week it's like that's it there's no none of the fuckery is going on and then right. the other mm-hmm. the other 3 4 days is like that's when i go to the studio It's when i you know do the parties that's so when i do all that but when when i first started it was more about just being with her every day and going you know she goes to sleep i go to the studio i go to the club and i come home and it's there was a whole balance in that. Now it's a whole, that was before the pandemic. Now the balancing act is like so much like dealing with homeschooling. And I know all the parents out there can feel me on that. Like I feel really, you on
2: that. I know it. <laughs> he got a daughter. <laughs> I feel you.
0: Yeah,
2: but, I feel you. It's, it's, it's a tough time, a tough time dealing with all that. So, how, so with that, with that being said, do you find yourself maybe being more inspired creatively uh, with, with, with the process of this and just having to do all that? Has it inspired you more? I wish I could
0: say yes to that but not really. Mm. Like I've been I'm going to tell you this when I turned the album in I was like thank god. Like it was like the biggest relief ever of any album because it was it was a it was a challenge to finish it up like we're just in um weird times but you know what I love the way it came out everybody's been giving me amazing feedback so I think it it, it happened the way it was supposed to But it was like divine intervention the way the album wrapped up
1: yeah, and we, we also wanted to thank you for finally putting Nas and Joey Badass on a song together. Because that's something that we've been looking forward to as as hip hop fans, and especially as New York hip hop fans and New Yorkers for a long time.
0: Yeah, that, that actually was like the first decision I made for the album. Uh, back in January, we met up. You know, uh, Joey had never met Nas. And, and wow. I, I, went mm. to, I went to meet up with Nas in, um, in LA, Grammy weekend. And I told him, I, I texted Joey, he's like, yo, I don't feel good. I'm not trying to go out. I was like, nah, bro. Um, come to this meeting so he pulled up and we chopped it up and i had to be so clear when they met i was like this record is for my album because you know joey's working on his album Nas working on his i was like this is my single let's go (laughs) that was a big part of uh you know full circle for me too because i've been working with nas now for man
1: i did a mixtape with
0: him in 2006 prophecy 14 years later yeah so you know and obviously joey's my little brother like Putting that together was very important for me
2: because i wanted to see that happen what what's the process generally when you do these compilation albums Stat in terms of the artists you want obviously you've got the artists you've worked with a lot like you said like like a joey sometimes action bronson some other guys you've worked with What what in this album in particular what was it the process in terms of you choosing the artists you wanted for the production that you had
0: it's, it's always different processes um with this album Joey actually set off the whole album because we were in we were in the Bahamas working on his album at this crazy studio. We stayed like nine days working on Joey's album, and me, Chuck, Strangers, Powers, we all had like our own rooms in the studio, and I was just making beats the whole time. And that joint um Watch Me on the album it was like the first song I did for my album. But I, when I made it, Joey was like, "I want that for something I'm working on." And I was like, "Nah." I was like, the next morning was. <laughs> We're sitting there having breakfast the next morning, and I'm like, bro, I'm <laughs> not trying to stress this, but I was like, I need that record. I was like, I play first first song on my radio show every week, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I need that record. And he thought about it. He was like, I right, man. And I was like, he's like, Don't, you know, the rest of this trip's my records. I'm like, I get it. I get it. But I was like, I need that. <laughs> he gave me the green light, and that was the moment, like, something clicked in my head, and it was like, I started my album. So so that- watch me. Your record?
2: So that's my favorite song on the album. I love that joy, man. It's it's such oh, a good vibe. And then one of my other favorite songs this year is a song you produced uh, for Joey, "The Sh- Shine." Because um, yeah, I, yeah. I love what I love what you did with the Roy Air sample, man. That's one of my favorite songs overall, and I just I love it, man. Uh With Joey, how, his album. I know he's still working on it. How close is he to being done with it? And how much how much can you have done on the album?
0: He's been done like ten times. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how many joints I got on album at this point because he's he's uh he's gone through so many different transitions with this album and I'm I'm really excited for people to hear it, but I definitely have a couple.
2: Okay, all right, good, good, yeah. to, good to hear that.
0: Yeah. Probably yeah. more than a couple. I just know, you know, a couple of secured. Nice. I mean,
1: that's good. Because I think the last time we uh, Dex and I were talking about this, uh, he said that he. He would sign for right now a, a, a little, even if it's just a four or five pack with Static Selector and Joey Badass. But oh, yeah. well, that, we, I know
0: we did the three pack. I did two of those, and then last uh what a couple of years ago we did a three pack too. But we've done a couple of those. Yeah, yeah.
2: Do you ever think you guys will do like a full album together? Because you've worked with a bunch of other artists, just you and you and uh, you and Joey. Or do you think that'll happen? We
0: already got it, man. I, I'd say that. I mean, I'm not. Hold on. Don't quote me saying that it's coming out. I will have probably have like 30 songs 40 songs that are incredible and then like just sitting there so me and joey like we have a different kind of work ethic he comes through he'll come through for an hour we'll knock out three like he's um we just we've always been on a different uh just a different wave than other artists when they come through the studio me and joey got man mm.
1: al- albums with an S full of material hmm that's good to hear because that's something we definitely look forward to. Static. I wanted to I wanted to mention this because this is something I always wanted to ask. Uh, if you see in my background, this is from uh, GTA four, uh, wow. which You were on the soundtrack of. You did. Um, I was the DJ. I, I, yeah. I host
0: the whole channel. Yeah, That's it, right. it was
1: you and Funkmaster Flex. What was that experience like just kind of uh, earlier, I guess, in your career and, you know, what that did for you? Because for me, that was what made me a fan because you had the songs with Saigon and Freeway and there were some of my favorite songs in that game.
0: That's dope. Um, yeah, it was a challenge for me, too, because at that point in life, I didn't even know how to make uh, sample free music and we had to make sample free for the game. So that was a challenge for me. And um, shout out to Rockstar Games. They're so hip hop over there. Last Work. week, I, was, I went out with my daughter, and we were we sat down at this restaurant. And all of a sudden, I looked next to me, and it was my man Ivan and everybody from Rockstar who who made that happen for me back in uh, what was that, two thousand nine? Yeah. Time. And um, they're just a good. The whole staff up there is hip hop heads. So when they asked me to do that, I was like, "What?" And you know, amazing opportunity. So hopefully, I need more video game stuff. I love doing that. Um. <laughs> Doing that, doing that project was cool because they basically gave me, um, they gave me the creative freedom to do whatever I wanted as long as it was sample free and just make it sound like New York. And it just it came out dope. Shout to Consequence, Quali. Um, that EP's on iTunes too. They let me put it out on iTunes too. That was really cool. So mm,
2: that's dope. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know it was out there. Yeah, on iTunes.
1: Sky Zoo, Sky Zoo, and Dex, Sky Zoo, uh, who we've actually had on this show, I think three times already. Yeah, three times. Sky though. Zoo is actually heck, he's got to join in that game as well. Yeah. yeah, I produced that one too.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. St- yeah. Uh, stat. I wanted to just take it back for you. Your inspirations and um, in how you produce. Who, who who are your inspirations musically in terms of your hip hop production, and and who do you still take inspiration from today?
0: I mean, I think everybody knows the answer to that as Primo, yeah, Q Tip. Um, I want to I want to talk about some cats I never really uh mentioned in interviews. Jake, one I love Jake, one big influence on me. Yep. Um, ill mind, uh, man, uh, Clark Kent, Clark Kent, yes, legend. Like, like, you know, it's when you hear my music, it's obvious who influenced me, but obviously, you know, Primo's number one, um, Dr. Dre, obviously, um, some of the newer cats. I'm trying to think of who really pushes the, uh, envelope for me. Um, man. Shout out to Short Fuse, my man. Short he's Fuse, this. all right. Yeah, he's from Lawrence, where me and Term are from. Uh, shout
2: out to... Uh, man. He didn't mean to put you on the spot
0: like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yo, my, my big brother, literally, like my brother, Alchemist, like the way he's yes. so consistent so many years later... Like i you know, a lot of people don't know how much time I spend at Alchemist Crib. Like, I had an apartment in LA for two years, and I spent more time at Alchemist Crib than I did in my own apartment. Like, I've been watching Al for a long time and doing. Like, we we have a lot of unreleased beats we did together too. We're gonna do a project at some point. So Ooh. shout to Alchemist, man. Oh, so
1: I, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I was literally watching. Fuck's that. Fuck that's delicious last night. Oh, where Alchemist was running around with Action Bronson. I think they were in yeah. Italy, actually. I'm wondering... like, should have what... been on
0: the show, but that's a
1: different story. Uh, <laughs> actually... We'd love to I, see I, you on I, there. I, yeah, that would have been great. I was actually going to ask you, like, what's your best, because given that you spend a lot of time with Alchemist, what's your best Alchemist story? Funniest. Uh,
0: man. <laughs> the, a good one is we were in Munich, Germany, and we were leaving the spot. It was me... Uh, Happy birthday, my man, Sammy Needles. Um, It was me, Sammy, Alchemist, and twin from Mob Deep. And we were leaving the club, and there was a couple fans who were way too uh, aggressive. You know, a lot of the European fans are mad aggressive. We were getting in the van, and I remember we, like, the dude was wilding out, like, trying to get a picture or something, but he was going too hard. And twin shut the door on his fucking face. The show was crazy, Damn. and we we almost got in a crazy brawl that night. But it was it was a, a f- we were all laughing our asses off in the car. But the way twin shut the door on this dude's face, like his face must have been an inch away from us. <laughs> like, <laughs> bong. We, we, we laughed about that for a long time. But anyway, I, I mean, I got a hundred out of stories. I'm, I'm the the rap camp days were fun. We used to do this thing called rap camp in its crib, and like it would be Gibbs action. Uh, Planet mm. uh, so many twin was always there. Like, we just have like two or three rooms going with beats, and then people just recording it. it was crazy. And uh, some of the songs came out of that with, with bananas. So the Rap Kid days were fun. You know what? Kendrick. Kendrick was there. Schoolboy Q. Oh, like, wow. it was the early days for all. Mac Miller, rest in peace. Yeah. It was crazy, man. But I look back at that, that, that time, like 2010, 11. We had these dudes around just chilling and like they all became stars, man. A beautiful time. That's great.
1: Well, I know you I know you have a really good Freddie Gibbs story also. I know you have to have a really good Freddie Gibbs. I can't Gives tell story. a lot of them. I'm sure, <laughs> you can.
2: I'm sure you can't. <laughs> I'm, sure can. I'm sure you can't. I'm sure you can't. That's gotta be that's gotta be crazy. Um when in
0: terms with with some of the uh no I wouldn't say the same, but uh, we used to mess with chicks that were like best friends with other chicks and some of the nights <laughs> that went down were woo. I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure they were. I'm
2: sure they were. Some are always looking for more sports content and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting like box scores and statistics presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports because there is so much beyond the game and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. What was it like working with Mass Appeal for this for this project? Um, could you sign on with them earlier this year?
0: It's been really cool, man. The fact that I'm signed to Rock Nation and Mass Appeal at the same time is bugged out, and um, the the both teams came together and like we do a weekly conference calls and all that, and it's just really cool seeing them work together and seeing who brings what to the table with different things. And, um, you know, it's been a good experience. Brian and
2: I were talking about this, and Brian even tweeted about this. A lot of people, you know, the compilation album is, I don't want to say dead, but there's not a lot of people doing it or doing it on the level that you do it, Stat. Um, Do you think that this is something we'll see producers do more or younger producers being inspired to
0: do more? Yeah, I'm going to say this humbly and and, um, just honestly, I don't think anyone can do it the way that I do it because... The relationships I have with all these dudes, like if you see someone else come up with a track list like that in the next couple of years, you let me know and I'll be I'll be blown away. But it's not possible, man. It's just the the relationships I have. Obviously, someone like Khaled does it way bigger and crazier with hits, but I'm talking about on a raw hip hop level, right? Can pull it off. Man. That's it, not, right. without, not without a million dollar budget. And guess what? I don't pay any of them because it's out of respect and it's off trades. I've never paid a rapper in my life. It's always been. Mm. There's a mutual respect or I or a trade like I, they know I got them. Whether it's on the radio or whether it's on their own albums, like someone asked me last week, like Yo, who's the budget? Your your tracklist is crazy, bro. If I had to hire all those artists, I'd be like five million dollars. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, Nas versus and, and Jack Harlow and and you know, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what Joey Badass charges for a verse? <laughs> no actually. I, we do, gonna, we don't, but I know it's a lot. <laughs> I don't want to throw it out there, but it's uh it's 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 a brand new uh you know, Ben's Wagon. Uh,
2: <laughs> That's I got, I got a good I got a good idea of of what that was in now. Now you've done yeah. these compilations. Do you prefer doing the compilations or just locking in with one artist? Like uh, I love
0: working with one artist and I love working on just a, a solo thing. These compilations are actually excruciating to pull off. So I'm I'm done for a little while. I'll probably do the. T- I have to do a tenth album. It's, you can't end at nine. But um, in the meantime, I'm working on a lot of projects. Me and Two Chains are finally dropping. Um, me and um, me and Black Thought are working on one. Yo, you you made me really, ha- oh. made me really happy,
2: <laughs> stat, because I've been saying for a while. I was hoping that Black Thought would do one of his streams of thoughts with you, and I yeah. was hoping that. Would- so you and Black, that is coming. So that joint,
0: the first song on the album. Yeah, we had a very uh, a very. We had a standoff about that song. Interesting. Like, he, he did not want to let me use it on my album. He wanted it for all. And I was like, Bro, and listen to the way it goes into the second song. And he was like, Well, since you got it all figured out, just know that you won't. He's like, You owe me four or five lifetimes of favors. I'm like, Oh, shit. <laughs> but um, now nah, we had like a standoff on that record. But I love Black Dog, man. I honestly, I told him, I'm like, I don't think there's a human being alive that can do what he does, man. Black Thought is one of a kind. He's he's he's
2: one of the, one of the illest. So is, you said you got the you said you got the project with Two Chains and, th- and he,
0: can you tell us when those might be coming uh, when we might be able to see some of those. I mean, I'm gonna put the energy out there. 2021, definitely. That Two Chains album has gone through so many changes, mm. and we're still we're still going. Every like every month or two, he sends me a new
1: record. But we're we got enough for two albums in this. Hmm. Oh, that, that's another thing, too, that I wanted to mention about the track list because, like, yes, it's a lot of, uh I guess, rapidy rap as some people would label it. But there's a lot of range there because you have Betty the Butcher and Jack Harlow and 2 Chains and Paul Wall and Terminology and Nas and Joey Badass on the same project. And to your point, I don't think people can pull that off at all. <laughs> yeah,
0: they cannot do it.
1: I like it's, that it's, confidence. It's, uh...
0: No, it's not confidence, it's just like, it, I got my own lane with that. And it's like, the only person I can see pulling something like that off is Primo. and I know he's working on his own album, he's been saying it for 20,000 years, but I'm, I'm excited to hear what Preem does, because I, I know some of the records Preem got done for his own album, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about that, but yo, <laughs> it, he's the only person I can see pulling off. Even like Al, like Al does his compilations, but it's usually like one person, two people on a song, it's right. not... You know, nobody's putting Killer Mike, Two Chains, and Conway on the record.
1: Right. That was nuts. When right. I saw that I was like, What does this sound like? And yeah. also one of my one of my sort of I guess underrated would be uh maybe a stretch, but I just don't see a lot of people talking about it. I really like the joint with Dave East and Method Man and I felt like yeah, they had pretty good do, chemistry on do a that.
0: Video that man. Oh what? Like, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Dave East, man. I actually said Dave East, me and Dave working on something too, but Shout of Method Man, we're working on something too. the Man gets better with time, bro. Yo, I've been saying that. Lemon Squeeze verse. <laughs> lemon
2: Squeeze verse this year, he killed that. His verse, it's is his wordplay has been just more Yo, intricate.
0: You Where know, he hasn't sworn in like ten years.
2: Yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't. Even when he like, go, even when he hops on people's shows for freestyles, no, he no doesn't cousin. swear. And it's crazy because Method Man was a dirty mouth motherfucker back yeah. then. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, he was. I swear. Stat, are there any artists that you haven't worked with that you're like, yo, I want to get this person in. I want to get him in the booth with me. I you were to do
0: that.
2: Yeah, I would say, is it Jay? Yeah, yeah. See, I knew, I figured because you okay. know why, you know why, Stat? Because I'm a fan of your music. I'm a big Jay fan. I always was like, I want to see a Stat and Jay track. So, what's, so, so I'm gonna tell you
0: the story about Jay real quick. man. Okay. So it's Grammy weekend this year, and Kobe Bryant passed away. Man, like, yep. so I seen. I seen Jay at the rock brunch on Saturday, Sunday morning, wake up to the, um, the news about Kobe and everybody was super fucked up. Like the whole city of LA was just quiet. And, um, I went to the rock office and I, I was in the middle of a meeting with a, with an agency. And, um, I, I, I don't know if you, I'm managed by rock nation for everybody doesn't know, but I went to the bathroom and I come back and Jay's just standing there and he's like, What's up, man? I'm like, what's up? And I had so much I wanted to talk to him about. But he's just like, what's going on? I was like, you know, in this meeting, I was like, I, you know, I literally had – I was speechless because of what was going on. And that was like the vibe in the office. But there's so many things I want to talk – like I had literally things on the t- – top, like a list of things I wanted to mention to him real quick. And it was like the, the energy was just so whack As Kobe passed it, like I was like, I'll see you later. He's like, where are you going to see And it was just like a bad – it was just such a sad moment in time, man. Like, yeah. Because Jay had hit up uh, Bun B when we were doing Troll Static. Yeah. And he was like, yo, I always wanted to do a project like that live. And mm. that was like the first thing I was going to say because that's another thing that, like, I own, bro. Like, I don't think anyone can pull off those live albums the way I've been doing them. I did one with Freddie Gibbs, Freeway, yeah. yeah. Bun B, Term. Like, that's a brand that I want to expand and it just 2020 Fuck that shit up. So, Hopefully, when we get um, back in a normal—I don't think we'll ever be normal again—but when we get back into a world that we can just so we gotta do what we got to do, I want to do more live albums too. I got a couple ideas for that. So, but yeah, man, the Jay conversation's always been like very close to to um very close to happening as far as like us getting on something. But you know, hopefully, there's a couple things that he might even be on already. I'm just hoping it happens soon. You
2: know. Man, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping it happens because, yeah, like you Word. said, when you said you know who it is, I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I, I I know exactly um, who who it is, and 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 Jay
0: Kendrick. Uh, there's not many other people, man. Uh, yeah, Kendrick
2: will be dope too. Yeah,
0: I'm three thousand, but I know that he's not even he don't even do nothing anymore, so
2: I don't even know. Yeah, we need we we need we need we need three stacks that so we need three stacks to do to do something. So so what so is that just what's next for you, Stat, in terms of you just kinda gonna be working with people before we get to the tenth compilation album? It's just kinda gonna be you working with some artists. Yeah, I'm, about to, I'm
0: about to drop an R and B album, bro, Highly Supreme, man. The kid's incredible. He's oh. on my album. Yeah. Oh
1: and he was yeah, on, on a bias album. Yeah. yeah, right?
0: He's been on a lot of albums, but um we're about to finally do his project and it's it's like D'Angelo meets Bob Marley meets uh, Nirvana. Let's go! Ooh,
2: I like oh, I, I like I like the mix of that. How how much are you, you talked about the normal stat? How much are you looking forward to just being able to collect connect more in person with artists, right? Because you have to do a lot of this stuff remotely. Even like we're doing this interview. Just how much are you yeah, looking forward to that?
0: I don't work with cats that I don't vibe with though. Like so, everybody that's ever been on one of my albums. Like it's someone I'm, I consider a friend, or like someone I can hang out with. Like I don't like working with people I don't vibe with, so it's like it's beyond that, you know.
2: Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. Totally understood. Totally understood with that. All right, yeah. stat. Um, you got anything else, Brian?
1: Yeah, uh, just wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, terminology. I'm I'm yep. sure you guys have something coming up also. Because we we you know we're terminology fans up here also, and you know I'm Puerto Rican just like him, so I've been following him for a long ass time. So what what else did you guys have coming up?
0: I mean, term takes up uh, space in my life, so there's always me means- coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my brother. We always we have a million gazillion trillion songs that are coming up. Nice. Term term literally has the studio next to mine. Like it's he. It, I probably have a thousand songs that I don't know yet with terms.
1: That's crazy. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> and, and I guess the last thing for me is that um,
2: I think people listen to your sound and say you're sort of keeping that that hardcore Northeast New York sound alive. Um, yeah. what What do you What do you think about that? Some people will say that sound is dead. What What, what do you say, What do you say to that as a producer?
0: They're fucking morons. If you look at the, <laughs> look at the Grammy nominations, bro. It's like you got. You got Alchem. First of all, I know Alchemist from the West Coast, but right. that's East Coast rap. Sound yeah, right? You got, you got, you got Alchemist, Royce of Five Nine. Royce is from Detroit. He makes East Coast rap. Um look at said, hey, boy. Nas, look at Nas for. I hope Nas wins because he deserves it because he's been yep been ripped off by the Grammys so many times. Um, how can you even like look at Griselda's run right now? Like yep. Like, by the way, let me be completely clear. A lot of these, a lot of these careers start in my studio. That's a fact. Zelda, Freddie Gibbs, Joey Action, Mac Miller, rest in peace. Um, all all, the, all this shit came from my lab, so I'm proud of everybody.
1: Yeah, that's nah. true. That's true because the Freddie Gibbs EP "Lord Giveth, Lord Taketh Away" I think that was 2011, and that was like, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you hosted and
0: that, was, that, and then I put a song on there than I did. You know, me and Gibbs did a whole album in 2000, uh, I believe 10 or 11. One of those, yeah, 11. You-
2: and obviously, you have a you know you were huge in Joe, Joey's you know takeoff. I remember seeing you spend it for him, and I went to a couple of shows. I think that was in twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. You know, early yeah. on
0: Four hundred shows together.
2: That's like, crazy. That's crazy because I've seen you guys a couple of times, and I saw you spend for him. And so it's just been crazy the work you've done with him and and found found him. Do you like you like where Joey is, is going as
0: an artist? Because I feel like he's growing so much, and he's really pushing what he's trying to do. I love it. That kid has never, ever disappointed me as far as musically. Like I've seen certain artists come out, and um, there's like a certain talk I have with artists when they come out, and, and I believe in them to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And I had it with Mac Miller. I had it with Joey. I've had it with Chance the Rapper. I had it with a couple people, and some of them let me down a little bit, but Joey never, ever. He always sticks to the – I don't think the the, the fans in the world understands what Joey's a product, though. It's like – this kid grew up in the nineties in Brooklyn, and his mother was like playing Smith and Wesson when he was like in, in the baby. Like th- this dude was, you know, listening to Biggie and and Nas when he was one year old. Like he was yeah. born into it. It's a different kind of hip hop that's in Joey's blood, so he's really a product of this shit.
2: Yeah, man, I'm I'm really yeah. excited for his album. I'm really excited to see what what you do uh, next. At, um yo same. We, we thank you for the time. Um, we love what you're doing musically. We love what you're doing with all these artists. So, yep. yo, please, 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 we, we are begging you to keep up the great work. Uh, yes. Keep up the great work with the artists, uh, my brother. Hopefully, we, uh, we're able to see you in Lincoln person uh, sometime again soon. Yep. Absolutely. Love is love, man. I appreciate
0: you. One time, mind, one, time. one time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time.
2: One time for your mind got some interesting things this week. Uh Brian's gonna be talking about something in the world of sports broadcasting. And I'm gonna be talking about something around a story where somebody had to stay ready, but I like how a young woman is using her platform to promote herself and also help others. More on that later. Brian, what you got?
1: Dan Lebertard is leaving ESPN. Mutually agreed upon, apparently. Uh found out yesterday or earlier this morning that he's also keeping the show back catalog which i found very interesting and i'm wondering like how does espn agree to give that up but i saw that report on twitter so that's something i want to i want to investigate more so uh and i got to go back and listen to the rest of the show a lot of people then,
2: don't get that opportunity
1: yeah and that, you know look it also factors into why i said he doesn't really need espn but the way but but it just in just getting to it right uh dan lebatard apparently just Had enough, I guess, of of being there for, for lack of a better way of saying it. I think that you know, as somebody who watches the show uh, and has done so religiously for several years now, I really think about it. um, It's the show that I've listened to the most by far, probably, in the last seven years since they went national on ESPN, and even a little bit before that is when I started listening to them more, even when they were still based in Miami because I was just a Dan Levitar fan, and I realized, like, that's one of the shows that you just start listening to and you can't stop. You know what I mean? It's just one of those. And, I like, I've known for a while because he said so on the show. Like, he's been suspended from ESPN over some bullshit. So, like you know, he's, he's wanted to challenge the company, you know, why don't we cover ourselves the way we cover other people, us being ESPN, you know, why can't we talk about, Stuff that's going on politically, which we know that Dan's always at the forefront of in, this, in the company in a way like Jamel Hill uh, wanted to be as well at one point, And then left so that she could do that and pursue those opportunities, which she's done on Spotify and Vice and everywhere else. Uh, I think Dan Levitard might end up taking a similar path to where it's like maybe I could do my writing here. I could operate the business of Levitard and Friends or whatever the network is going to be called there. Like, There's just so many layers to this. That we can get into, and we probably will when he, when that actually, you know, when the time actually comes, because he has not until January 4th, um, Stugas is going with him, I think the entire show is going with him, uh, ESPN wants to go in a different direction in terms of their programming, it's looked like because they've wanted to just sort of give us more of Mike Greenberg and, you know, more sports, you know, they are a sports network at the end of the day. And I think that as you see Jamel Hill leave, you see Michael Smith leave because we can't really forget about Michael Smith's contributions there as well. Mm-hmm. You see Dan Levitar leave. You see a lot of other people leave and go out and do these other things. Um, how much It's reasonable to ask how much longer are certain other people who shall remain nameless going to be there because of the route that ESPN is going, uh, which is different under Jimmy Pataro than it was uh, previously. Uh, under John Skipper. So with Dan, it's just like, it's very significant. I'm curious to see what he does. I expect it to be, you know, maybe, and this would excite me. Maybe he does something independently. Maybe he does something where he takes something like the Levitard and friends network that he was doing at ESPN, which housed podcasts from Marty Smith, Mina Kimes, Levitard himself, Stu Gatz, the shipping container, um, Sarah Spain. And, Then, you know, maybe he does something similar, though he can't use all of them, I suppose, because of their ESPN deals. But maybe he does something similar outside of that. Like maybe he goes and grabs Jamel Hill. Maybe he gets Jamel Hill and Michael Smith. I don't know. Or maybe he just gets some other people that he just wants to put on along with, you know, him and the entire show. But whatever it is, I'm obviously going to be paying very close attention because – Look, that could open some things up, not directly for me, I'm saying, but open things up just for another pool of people. Because if you notice, like the people that he's always aligned himself with and looked out for and worked with, like – uh Bomani Jones credits him for really kickstarting his broadcasting career and really putting him on. They actually told a story on the podcast about how Bomani Jones was going to go to Fox and Dan Lebitard was like, no, you're doing highly questionable with me. You know what I mean? It's actually a really funny story. uh, And I was glad that they actually got to tell that because that was something I hadn't heard previously. Um, And I can't really imagine Bomani Jones on Fox either, but basically like, you know, with, with uh, Katie Nolan and, you know, b- b- being the first person that I saw putting L Duncan on Highly Questionable, the first person that I saw putting L-, L Duncan in a position where she gets to give her opinion instead of just report the news. You know what I mean? And now we see her like on Bomani's podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Like he's done this with a lot of people, Sarah Spain and Mina Kimes and empowered so many different people. So I think he's just going to bring that energy to wherever he is. And it's going to be fun because like we're in a business where there's, there's not just one way to get to, there's there's not just one place to go to. You don't have to just go to ESPN. And that's the main thing that I take away in all this. Like he's one of the people who doesn't really need ESPN, though they did obviously help him a lot. He was able to take advantage of that. But now going forward, like this is a man who's really been a man of the people. And that's evident by having to show at Gramercy Theater last year that I went to where 500 tickets sold out in 30 seconds and all the people showed up uh, and like Stephen A. Smith and all those other people I mentioned. So, you know, shout out to Dan. Oh, And I'm going to be looking forward to whatever's next.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to what he does next. Uh, Dan is such a huge voice to all minorities, specifically the Latino community, uh, because we don't have too many of them at the forefront of sports, because often many times, uh, as is the case for many of our Latino brothers and sisters in sports journalism, these companies don't know what to do with them uh, unless they're on Univision and Telemundo. And that's no disrespect to Univision and Telemundo, because those outlets are absolutely necessary but we can also see uh, more people of Latino heritage in broader spaces uh, that are Spanish and English speaking. And Dan is one of those people. So I'm definitely very excited to see what he does next and what he does. Yeah, I'd like to see if he does something independent to be. I think that could be huge um, for him. And as you said, I think it's something you know I've tried to do as a content creator. We've tried to do this podcast. It's something that I think people should think about following Dan's footsteps is that you can't help other people. You can bring them along. You can not uplift and empower people to put them in positions where they can also create good content um, and empower them to do things even outside of you, you know, going forward. And I think that's definitely part of what uh, Levitar did at ESPN, and I'm sure he'll continue to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Man, salute to him for sure.
1: And I think that I think that one, pl- one place, I don't know where he's going to go. I know SiriusXM, you know, went hard at him a couple years ago before they signed that extension in 2018. I think that was reported even uh, by, you know, uh, probably Richard Dice because he's all over that stuff for Andrew Marsh and what are them dudes? Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I could, but I also think that like even if he wants to go independent and he doesn't seem to be somebody who's really moved by money, though he was reportedly making three million dollars salary. So shout out to him. Um, he's gonna get a lot of money uh, in terms of his offers. And one place I'm looking at in particular is the Ringer because, and we talked about this off mic, uh, because, you know, him and Bill Simmons are friends. The Ringer seems like a place where they're ambitious. They're trying to do a lot of different things, and now that they're under Spotify and they have a lot of money there, they're trying to, you know, create content in a lot of different ways, and I feel like that's a place where Dan and the show could just be Dan and the show. Stugatz could be Stugatz. I mean, they're all friends there with Bill Simmons, and Bill Simmons will, you know, let them do what they do, and I think uh-huh. that's what they want more than anything else. And also, you know, like, just the ringer has has experimented in a lot of different things they could use a show like that still yeah you know what i mean yeah. and that that'll be big for their platform but you know we'll see i don't know what it is but you know i'm looking forward to it these last few weeks of levitard on espn and you know january 4th it's going to be right around the corner
2: yeah we'll see like you said um i think he definitely needs to be somewhere where he can do his own thing and they understand exactly uh how to let him do his own thing that's always important for content creators all right. This week for me, interesting story. Some of you may have seen this. Some of you may have seen me uh, tweet about this story, and it it revolves around this this woman um in Lincoln, Nebraska, who uh, was chased by a man, black woman, uh, living in Lincoln, Nebraska, which can't be easy. Was <laughs> chased uh, by a white man uh, in her apartment complex uh, with a chainsaw while yelling multiple racial slurs at her. The woman was 25-year-old Norma Nimox. And uh, she was being dropped off by a sister at the apartment when she was noticed a man standing in the window on the second floor. And uh, she saw that he had a chainsaw in his hand and ripped open the door. And he said some, you know, vulgar things to her. It's pretty much saying, what's up with the N-word? So not a good situation. And she had to flee from this. Now, there's been this video. This was a, There was a news story done. I want to get to the station. It's 10-11 now in Lincoln, Nebraska local news station who did the reporting on this and they put out a package on this and there was a, a story floating around with a, with a woman who was appearing to be Norma Nimox in the video, but it was done and this woman has put this out totally as a parody um, on her Facebook page and she sort of inserted herself in the package, sort of yep. reacting the way that she would if she was Norma Nimox in this situation. And listen to some of the stuff she had to say.
1: So I guess
0: when he saw me, he figured I was a soft target. Oh, no, 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 not today. I pulled my gun and put that hot lead up in him and put some on his mind that day. He ain't going to be trying to live out his leather leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre fantasies over here. They better keep his ass in jail because he come back out here. This going to be a horror movie nightmare for his ass. He don't want to come back around here playing with me.
2: So this is what her reaction <laughs> would have been to it and- It's hilarious because sometimes you want these characters in these stories, right? You want these characters in this package. But this is a parody. The woman you just saw in that video or heard, if you're listening to this podcast, is not Norman Nimox, okay? Instead, it is Tisha Essex. And shout out to Tisha Essex. One, because inserting yourself into a news package, which is what I do and create for a living multiple times a week. You know what I mean? That's not easy. So she had to be creative. She had to know the angles. She shot some B-roll for this. She positioned herself right in the, ca- in the camera to make it look like she was being interviewed. I mean, this is dope, and this isn't her first time doing it. She, she sent, tends to do these stories around incidents of racism. She also did this with a story here in New York in which a white woman threw a bottle at a black woman who was jogging down the street. I believe this was in Queens earlier this summer, and she inserted herself into that, too. Now, there's purpose for her doing this, Brian, one is she has her own. She's a former cop, and she did serve in the military, and she's from Cincinnati, Ohio. Twenty-five. And,
1: she's already a former cop.
2: Now I don't know if she's twenty-five. Norman Nimox, oh. the woman was twenty-five. I actually do not know. The, oh. I do not know the I age. I was going to say that was uh, a
1: short. That was a short stint. Yeah,
2: I don't. I don't know the age of Tisha Essex, and I apologize, uh, Miss Essex, if I got your name wrong. But she has her own company called Time and X. And it basically is a you know it's, it's, she she sells um, you know gun holsters which she kind of promotes in the story uh, that she puts herself into in Lincoln Nebraska and she in her story just so we're clear as you heard she talks about shooting back at the person that came to her with a chainsaw which a lesson should be learned don't bring a chainsaw to a gunfight you never know what somebody's holding um, and so she and so she was ready and her whole thing is trying to teach people proper self defense and carrying firearms in the right way. You know, she's not advocating for any horrible gun use, but in the right way. And also, really in terms of black folks protecting themselves against crazy-ass racists out there, which is what could happen. Now, I don't think she's saying that anybody should necessarily have a gun, but I like that she's promoting that people of color in this country that face racism, as the Norman Nimox did in Lincoln, Nebraska, probably need to have ways to protect themselves. Somebody's gonna come at you with a chainsaw and yelling racial slurs at you? I, I would like to guess that in that moment, Norman Nimitz wished she had something a little bit stronger or better to do than running away. Now, Norman Nimitz got away and the man was arrested, so she's okay, but what if she hadn't? And that's something fair to think about in this mm, situation, yeah. right? What if she hadn't? What if the woman in Queens, who had the bottle thrown at her, things had gone worse? So, what I like about what uh, Tisha is doing here, she's bringing awareness to some situations that are obviously ridiculously racist. And she's also, look, she's all in. She's like, look, I'm going to promote my gear, my product in whatever way I can. I'm going to promote my brand in whatever way I can. And look, I, I like it. I know it's a parody. She's not doing anything wrong here. And she's teaching people about how to defend themselves properly. So, you know, shout out to Tisha Essex for teaching people to stay ready and being about your brand. I'm, I'm all for that. And Brian, I figured you'd be about it too, because we know you like the violence. So, you know, <laughs> she, she, she's, not, she's bringing the violence in a good way. About defending yourself, not attacking people with a chainsaw like some crazy yeah. racists out there are doing. So, shout out I to Tisha X's. It's a it's, a interesting, uh,
1: it's an interesting it's interesting hustle, that's for sure. Word. I mean, it's <laughs> Word. just like that's something I like having a line of gun holsters, which should actually be called Stay Ready. I don't know what they're called, but it should actually be called Stay Ready. I like that. That's a, that, that she she um, she has that's she, a fucking she re- good idea. I've got I should trademark that. Yeah,
2: she she really it's really concealed carry gear that she has. So it's just like. You know, she has, like, a, a knife holster or, like, a, you know, gun, a thigh holster or belly band holster. You know, so she has different things for different products. Um, I get it,
1: man. Because, look, I mean, look, Lincoln, Nebraska, and you're black. I understand. You know what I mean? Shit, if yeah. I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, I would probably be hitting her up because we ain't out there. You know, you know what I mean? Like, we ain't got a lot of people out there. I mean, look, this, this is a testament to also why I just don't want to live in rural areas, like, at any point in my life. I mean... The election is one thing where you sort of look at the graph and it's like oh what's blue and what's red and it's basically like cities are blue everything else is red <laughs> like when you look at it right no and, I- and with me it's like i look there's there's certain places that i ain't trying to be in that i just don't care to see right, right?
2: but but miss essex would say there's certain places that people feel like they have to be in and when you need to be there you need to protect yourself and i do want to read from her website because of, of her Tisha she says She's driven by empowering the community and teaching the public to do self-defense, excuse me, teaching the public to act as his own first responder, do self-defense, legal and safe gun ownership, building positive personal relationships, medical training, and home defense to become a hard target with a warrior mindset. Now, look, I'm glad she said those things because we've seen people from other groups try to take matters into their own hands, especially when it involves black lives. and That hasn't necessarily worked out well. Um, so some people want to be you know, justice warriors and, and act like they're their own cops, but I do think it's different when uh, you're a minority in this country and you know you can be attacked for the color of your skin, which many people of color have known in this country for hundreds of years. And yeah. I, clearly, that's still not going anywhere. Sadly, I still have to talk about this in one time for your mind, where in all seriousness, a woman was attacked by a white man because of the color of her skin. And this white man thought that black people were stealing from him with a chainsaw. Like we're in twenty twenty, and I know that's not really saying much in this year, but we are in twenty twenty and somebody's still trying to attack somebody for the color of their skin with a chainsaw. Maybe that's a little bit of the reason why Tisha Excess is like, you gotta get defend yourself. You know what I mean? She sounds like she's all she sounds like she's all about uh she's all about that Nas, you know, still mad at get got yourself a gun. She's all about that, for sure.
1: Yeah, in certain places you're gonna need that. Look, this story just makes me think about like I just hope these vaccines work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I just hope we get to a place where it's like, I, where where like shit could be. Wait,
2: right? how's how is the vaccine gonna stop the racist?
1: Nah, it's not. But I'm saying, look, it's a step in the right direction. I'm just saying, I'm just grasping for straws at this point. First of all, I'm I'm seeing. I'm we're talking about this like right shortly after I just hear that Floyd Mayweather's coming back to box and it's not against an actual boxer, it's fucking Logan Paul in February Don't in what's being care. called an exhibition. Floyd Mayweather who's my size is gonna fight Logan Paul who's basically your size. <laughs> like
2: <laughs> Hey everybody, you, you wanna like you wanna see me and me and Brian get in the boxing ring? You wanna see man, that?
1: There's weight classes for a reason. <laughs> we could we could pro wrestling, I'm down. You know what I mean? That's nah, different. Not, you know, I'm not i I'm, I'm, I'm not wrestling you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not wrestling you, bro. Cuz Cause, cause at your height, I know what you I know what you doing and what you are going for. Nah,
1: man. Nah, yeah, I ain't man. wrestling you. It won't quite be Rey Mysterio, but like, you know. <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I I like I've told you before, I think I can be a great professional wrestling manager. That's a, there's a few things that I still have to do in my life, and that's one of them that I I really think that independently whatever it is, like I can I can I can get a champion Out of somebody. A woman's title. A tag team title. Men's heavyweight title. Whatever. Like I really think that that's in me.
2: You strike me as somebody who's been waiting for the opportunity to get in the ring and wrestle your entire life. You strike (laughs) me as that person.
1: You know what? I've been watching wrestling since I was three.
2: You didn't say no. He noticed, folks. He did not say no.
1: (laughs) I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to say I've been watching wrestling since I was three. And look, at some point some point, you're just like, you know what? Look, I lived by a school at one point, though they they have now moved. You know what I'm saying? So the temptation for that is gone, and we're in a pandemic. And I don't want to actually wrestle. Like, that lifestyle just is not... Look, there are certain things that I know I'm never going to be able to do. One of them is have uh, a nine-to-five for a sustainable period of time in terms of just, uh, just the same sort of rigmarole from, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're creative, like, that shit just is not something that works for you. You need it to be at least a little bit different in some way. 9 to 5 is different. 9 to 5 is different than a job. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would say you don't have a 9 to 5, you have a job. It's very different. Because you're not working the same, same no. hours every no. day, necessarily. It's always changing. So that's different. That's one thing. Two, uh,
0: Dunk the like, basketball.
1: So I've I've never done that on a ten foot <laughs> hoop without help. Yes. However, <laughs> however, I'm pretty nice at the nine foot hoop dunks. All right. Well, we used to go to Frontera. Now we're now we're off the, of like whatever.
2: No, no, go no, crap. no. Nobody want to hear about you dunking on a nine foot hoop. Yo, I between the legs. Okay. Double pump, Stop. That was
1: back then, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nine
2: like foot hoops. Get get out of here. Man.
1: Elbow in the rim. We used to have dunk contests in Masbet.
2: Yeah. That, see, I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about that life. I don't know anything about that life. That's short people problems. I don't know anything about that.
1: I need to bring somebody here from back in the day. Oh, we do. Tell, oh, we do. I don't know.
2: Preferably, preferably, speak. preferably, as we wrap this up, preferably somebody from back in the day that has also accompanied you to Uba that is the perfect person to come on the podcast we need that person
1: thankfully i'm still very close with my best friend from middle school who lives in the neighborhood uh you know he's he's seen every level of what you see today you know he's seen the sort of transformation Ooh, from that look is, man that i was is, wearing ba- i was wearing baggy clothes in 2014 and switch that up. You know what I'm Ooh, saying? Like <laughs> that, is,
2: that is a whole nother podcast on a whole nother topic that needs to be addressed. All right, y'all, but uh, we'll see. Before we go,
1: I just yes. want to mention this real quick. Before we go, uh, Errol Spence beat the shit out of Danny Garcia yesterday, and as good as Danny Garcia had been, um, you know, l- as good as I thought he was going to be last night, he was not, and Errol Spence beat the shit out of him. All I'm going to say about that fight is that Errol Spence needs to fight Terrence Crawford next. Top-ranked PBC, make it happen. I don't want to hear nothing else. I'm,
2: I'm agreeing with that, and I don't want to hear anybody talk about this damn Mayweather fight against <laughs> whatever his name Paul is. You guys, If you guys could support that, seriously, seriously, we can do better. We can uh, do better.
1: We got, we got Triple G, Felix Verdejo, and Canelo Alvarez all fighting this weekend.
2: Nice. So there's been some interesting times with boxing. Yeah, uh, Spence looked dominant. I don't really have anything else to say about that. Remember, everybody stays, always stay ready. Be ready. Um, a lot of things you got to worry about out there. And uh, we hope, we're very excited to see what Dan Levitard will do with his next opportunity. That's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 158. Special thanks to our guest on this podcast, uh, the great Static Selector. For joining us, huge guest. We're gonna to try to get more uh, people involved in hip hop and music down the road. That is something Brian and I have been working on. So we're very glad and uh, to get Static on the podcast. Uh, huge shout out and thank you to Mass Appeal for connecting with us and making that happen. We really truly appreciate that. Uh, and look forward to doing more work with them down the road. Um, please continue to support us in the ways that you have. Subscribe to the podcast or whatever listening streaming platform that you do uh, continue support us via patreon and check out all the other great stuff that we have via backpack broadcasting for episode 158 of the Hangout to Tell podcast i'm dexter henry he's brian fonseca sure. ready to, always ready to wrestle and until next You're time right. y'all peace